0: To the Snape Dome, the podcast where we discuss all things Snape, always. Join us as we dive into the world of the bravest man we ever knew in art, fanfic, meta, and more, obviously. This is Snape Cedric with episode 31. I'll be speaking with Heatherly about her art, fic, and her website, alwayssnape.com. Then Heatherly will read from three of her classic stories. Enjoy the show. Snape-centric and I'm here with Heatherly. Hello. And she's a a wonderful person. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. She not only is a writer and artist she also has the excellent website alwayssnape.com and so we're gonna talk a little bit about that stuff. Okay Heatherly tell us a bit about yourself.
1: I am a web designer and a writer, a 3D artist. I, um, I work as a freelancer on all those things, so I'm constantly on the computer, which gives me lots of time for fandom. And I've, I've been into several different fandoms over the past 20 years or so, Lord of the Rings, Merlin, and then, of course, I finally got around to reading the Harry Potter series in 2012 and I
0: completely fell in love with Snape, and he's had my heart ever since. So did you become a Snape fan as soon as you read Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone? Well, yeah, he captured my attention
1: right away. What was funny is the person who got me to read the books, because I had been, I'd been putting it off for a long time, and you know, a close friend of mine finally got me to read them. And she, she's like, you're going to love the Marauders. (laughs) I I start reading the first book and I'm like, Snape. I immediately focused on him. And she's like, she's like, where did I go wrong? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, that's just me though. I've always been drawn to the darker characters, more complex, you know? Oh yeah. So Snape was right up my alley. Yeah, mine too. Although I did I, I did spoil myself because I think I was on the second book and I was like, okay, I have to know what happens with this guy. So I went on the Wiki, Wikipedia and found out everything. I'm bad about that. I spoil everything for myself. But obviously it didn't, you know, I did not lose interest. On quite the contrary, I read ahead, I sped forward and I've been hooked on him ever since. So, He's so compelling. He really is. So how long have you been a writer? Well, casually writing since high school, which was in the 90s. But my first fan fiction, I started writing fan fiction in 2004 when I got into Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so I've been doing it a long time.
0: How do you come up with your overall ideas?
1: Well, it's kind of like... It's hard to explain, but I kind of think about what I want to happen. Like, how would I like this character to end up? And I kind of work backwards from there. So, for example, okay, I want Lily to survive and her and Ceres to end up together. I'll start with that as
0: a plot point and be like, okay, how can I make that happen? How much detail do you go into when you plan a story? Do you write outlines and, and such? Yeah, I have my own unique way of outlining I just
1: what I do is I just open a file and write total stream of consciousness like the events I want to happen in the story and I organize it by chapter okay in this chapter Harry does this and then this scenes from Severus's point of view and this happens and I have to do that I cannot just I can't do the pantsing thing I have to plot because I'm I have to know exactly what I'm going to write because I'm terrified of writing myself into a corner. So
0: outlines are very helpful. How long does that work typically take you to finish?
1: Well, an outline I can write very quickly. My stories take years. But to be fair, well, that's the longer ones, you know, because the longer ones, it it really is like writing a novel. I think Obscuronauts Anime is like uh, 360,000 words which is actually the length of 3 average sized novels. So, yeah, it's a years-long undertaking.
0: When do you get blocked? How do you break it?
1: Well, I don't get blocked as far as ideas go. I get blocked in terms of just sitting down and making myself write. Like if I'm on if I'm in practice, if I'm writing every day, I can you know, it just flows, but once I get out of the habit, I'm stuck. Like I'll spend an hour just agonizing over one sentence, like, how do I word this, and, you know, like, I'll I'll get obsessed over, like, one word choice, just nitpicking, so basically, there's no easy answer, it's just, you just gotta push through, you know, and it comes down to how badly you wanna write, and I really like to write, so...
0: I make it happen. Sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's fast, but I get there. Where does editing come into your process?
1: Well, I do a lot of editing while I write, which a lot of people don't do, but I kind of have to because if I know, for example, if I know this paragraph is wrong, I'm not going to put this in the story. Like Then everything that builds from that paragraph, I don't want that to be wrong too, so I, I stay there on that paragraph and get it mostly right, and then when I'm done writing my chapters, I do one more
0: edit, and then I post them. Yeah, I always admire you writers. (laughs) It's just such a a great talent to have. Thank you. Yeah. Do you have an OTP? Oh, yes. I am
1: snilly all day long, although I have written Severus and Harmony, and When you really get into that headspace, that one's fun, too. But in the end, I always go back to Severus
0: and Lily. It's just my thing. Yeah, that's great. And you you did say you write for other fandoms, right? Well, I used to. I
1: haven't seriously written for any other fandom since Snape grabbed my heart. He's got a
0: full-time commitment. In your story, Obscurinax Anime. Yes. Lily actually survives Voldemort. And in so doing, becomes a mouse. Where did she get such a unique idea?
1: Well, she doesn't technically become a mouse. Right. Her soul is able to transfer to different animals. And the reason I came up with that idea is I wanted a scenario where she survives and Harry survives, but nobody knows about it for years. And I wanted that because I wanted to follow most of the canonical events, but from a completely different point of view. I wanted to do that because that was my first full-length story for Harry Potter, and when I first get started with a new fandom, I'm very reluctant to go too far beyond canon. Like, I prefer to write stories that could have happened within, you know, within the context of the books, so That's why I did it that way, because I wanted most of the events to stay intact, and they did until pretty close to the end. So since then, I've gotten a bit braver, you know, now that I'm more familiar with it and I'm more comfortable coloring outside the lines, so to speak.
0: Is it known, Omnis Moriare?
1: Yeah, that's, that's the Severus
0: and Hermione story. Yeah, you have Severus and Hermione battling unknown forces. Was this inspired by a love of mysteries?
1: The funny thing is I've never been big into mysteries and I never really thought I could write one, but that idea popped in my head. I'm like, okay, I got to do this. And it worked out. I thoroughly enjoyed writing that story even more than I thought I would. I'd never written anything except Severus and Lily.
0: The, the mystery part of it is, uh, uh, it's just perfect. Thank you. hmm your current work of progress is Virtas Omnia Vincent. Yes. A stilly scene that eventually becomes Severitis. Yes. It difficult, rigid in the two timeframes? No,
1: not at all. Because, I mean, there's like a 10-year gap, so, and it's split up into two parts. So it was almost like writing two de- two separate stories, but not really, because there was so much information from the first part that needed to be blended in but I found that very easy actually. Good
0: you also do 3D art can you tell us about that? Sure
1: that's something I started learning to do about five years ago. I actually the reason I started learning how to do it is because I wanted to make snape art and I absolutely suck at drawing. So I was looking on Google for different things and I found this program called Daz Studio. And I gradually learned how to make my own models for it. And I made a Snape model, which is what I use in my artwork. But the twist to that is 3D models are now my main source of income. I've learned to do them so well that I sell them online. And I have a store and everything that people actually buy them. So I don't sell my
0: Snape model, though. That's just for me. Current major endeavor is always snake.com Yes. What made you decide to take on such a huge undertaking? Well, (laughs) it's not exactly huge for me
1: because I've run so many fan sites over the years. I started out with a Lord of the Rings fan fiction site in 2004 that I ran for about seven years, and I've had fan sites for several other fandoms. So it's not really huge to me. It's something I just enjoy, so... You're like not going in and saying,
0: oh gosh, I've got to do this. Yeah. Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah. I just really love a sense of community because when I first started in fandom, there was no such thing as social media. If you wanted a place to hang out and talk about your favorite fandom, you either had to find one or make one. So I chose making them and I found I loved leading communities and planning activities for members and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's so much fun. And even now, I really prefer it to fandom on social media because it's just smaller. It's more close-knit. You don't have the bullying. Right. You don't have ads all over the place. I mean, it's just more comfortable to me.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, it's certainly a great website.
0: Thank you. How long have you been working on it?
1: I started last summer. I worked on it for several months, you know, just here and there. And we launched in October, I believe. And ever since then, it's been slow and steady growth. We've got a bunch of regulars now, and we have, you know, different features like writing challenges every week. And we have a really good time over there. What's been the hardest part? The hardest part, which is actually getting a bit easier now. But in those first few months, the hardest part was just attracting new members because that's the biggest difference between now and 10 or 20 years ago is everybody's stuck on social media and it can be challenging to get people to go outside the box and join an independent site you know but we keep working at it and you know we get people signing up and so it's getting easier for sure
0: what else would you like to tell people about it
1: well, the biggest one I think is the writing challenges. I uh, I post a new one every Sunday, and these are basically designed to write shorter pieces like drabbles, which are several hundred words or one shots, you know, it's just, it's small vignettes that you can write. And with other fan sites, I've found that's really good for people who are new to writing, or they might be afraid to take on a full length story just yet. They're fun and they're great for practice. And for even for people who are used to writing longer stories, it can be nice to just have a little break like that, something fun you can write in one sitting, you know? So any Snape fans out there who think they might want to write are already writers, you know, you should come check them out because they're, they're awesome. And we also have, we're about to start a new one. We do Round Robins. Now, Round Robin is basically a story where you come up with a premise and you have multiple participants. So the last one we did was called The Basement, which was, it turned out to be so funny. The premise for the story was Severus and Lily are around 13 and it's summertime and they're hanging out in the Evans' basement. And through through an accident Severus and Petunia end up locked in the basement together. And so at the time, it was just me and um, one other person that were doing the round robin. And so we kept going back and forth and playing off each other. And the fun thing about that, when when multiple people are participating, is you have no idea what people are going to throw at you. And it's so much fun. In this case, we kept injuring them. We kept finding ways to injure them. So it turned into sort of a almost a Monty Python type thing. Like, it's just a flesh wound. So those are lots of fun. The next one we're going to do is it's going to be set in the 80s, like before Harry gets to Hogwarts. We're basically going to have Severus place an ad, you know, looking for love in the Daily Prophet. He's going to decide to try and date. So, one person is going to play Severus, and then whoever wants to join in gets to be one of his potential dates. So, I'm sure that's going to be interesting. That's going to be lots of fun. Our writing community is fairly active. What we could use more of for sure is more artists. Because right now, it's mainly just me. Like, all, none of the other people, none of our other regulars make art. So, Anybody who wants to come by and post their artwork, I can even share it on the front page. So, and we also had um, Pet Genius. She shared all her meta with us and we post that on the front page, but we could also use more meta writers as well. Anybody who wants their work featured. We're just building up like really good content and we want something for everybody. So, you know, anybody who wants to contribute, whether it's writing or artwork or just talking about Snape, you know, everybody's welcome.
0: I wanted to ask you about AI. mm mm-hmm. You know, my objection to it is how they did the training. It was taking work of artists without their permission. Yeah, and it's, it's a problem with writing, too. Oh, true. So what do you think about that?
1: Well... It's definitely an ethical gray area. I mean, I've played with it and I've actually, we actually have a thread on the site where we kind of plug in crazy fan fiction ideas and AI and we share the results, which it can actually be really funny. But I don't know. I mean, to me, and I mean, I've played with the visual art generators too, like Mid Journey. And I've actually come up with some beautiful results. But to me, its it's never going to be an adequate replacement for originality and human creativity. You know, it's just not the same. I mean, what I would say is I would tell people not to take it too seriously and to just continue creating and just putting your heart into it because that's the one thing I AI will never have is heart.
0: Yeah, that's that's so true. It's a oh, uh, one thing you listed was April Fool's. Can you tell us about that a bit?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I almost forgot about that. So it's been a tradition for me over the years. I love April Fool's jokes. I love a good-natured prank. So over the years on my different fan sites, people, you know, on the old sites, they came to expect me to do something kind of crazy every year. Like one year on my Merlin site, I... Um, Turned everything bubblegum pink like I completely redid the layout and there were sparkles everywhere and pictures of Justin Bieber. It got crazy. But this year, just a couple months ago, I trolled the forum as Snape. I created an account called Severus Snape and I roleplayed as him. And I went around making snarky comments and stuff. And everybody was just laughing their asses. I'm sorry, can I curse? Of course. Okay. Yeah, everybody was just laughing their asses off because he's he's going around like commenting on graphic because we let, you know, we have say not safe for work threads and stuff for artwork. And he's going around commenting on like naked pictures of himself and stuff. It was hilarious. And then one of my moderators jumped in and started playing James. They made a James Potter account, and Severus and James were just brawling all over the forum. And the Severus Snape account was such a hit that we we've actually I actually bring him out from time to time. Like he'll come out and welcome a new member in his own snarky way or wish them a happy birthday. So it's fun. We're gonna do more role playing stuff with him and other accounts. We've also got a Lily account, so that's a lots of fun. I mean, that's the thing with your own site is you can. You can really explore different crazy ideas like that, and you're not really restricted as much. So
0: we've got lots of fun stuff planned. That's excellent. Yes, I encourage everybody to go alwayssnape.com, and we'll have links, of course.
1: Yeah, we'd love to see you over there. We're very friendly and very welcoming, and it's a safe place for anybody who loves Snape.
0: Okay. Thank you for joining me today, Heatherly. No problem. Okay, we did one. Heatherly is also starting a Snape Fan Spotlight on AlwaysSnape.com, where you can learn more about the people in the Snape Dome. I'm actually the first one featured, but if anyone wants their art or fic or whatnot highlighted, get in touch with Heatherly by either joining AlwaysSnape.com and PMing her DMing her on Discord, or emailing her at admin at com. Now listen in as Heatherly reads us excerpts from three of her fics.
1: This is from Chapter 12 of Nam Omnis Morier, which is called Quarrel. For context, Hermione saved Severus's life in the Shrieking Shack, and she visited him quite a bit in the hospital, and they bonded. Now they've both ended up back at Hogwarts, he's teaching potions again, and she's in her seventh year, though of course she's like 18 at this point. They've kind of started to redevelop their friendship, and meanwhile there's been suspicious things happening around the school, potentially dangerous things, so he's been telling her not to go anywhere alone. And she disregarded this, and he's mad about it, so they get in a fight. So, here we go. Harmony jumped as Snape slammed a basket down beside her, several dead bats skittering across the surface of his desk. He reached into the top drawer, handing her a knife before he dropped in his chair. What do you expect me to... disembowel them. Her eyes widened you can't be serious. Do I look like I'm joking? She hoped he'd calmed down on their walk to the dungeons, that perhaps he'd even apologize for overreacting. Clearly, those hopes had been futile. He was every bit as angry as he'd been when they'd first run into each other, arms crossed over his chest as he glared at the wall. Get to work, Miss Granger. No. For the first time, he looked directly at her, his eyes burning with anger. What did you say? You heard me. He shook his head, snatching an empty jar off the shelf. This is large enough to hold 50 bat spleens. I expect it to be filled within the next two hours. Well then, she said, keeping her tone light, you'd better get started. It was the first time she'd ever rendered him speechless. He glared at her for several minutes, nostrils flaring, until finally he thrust the jar across the desk. I have no tolerance for impudence, Miss Granger. You will. I won't. You're not leaving this office until... She rose from her chair, hearing a sharp intake of breath behind her. For a moment, she thought he might actually block her from leaving, though nothing prevented her from turning the knob. Finally, he spoke, his voice so low she could barely hear it as she opened the door. If you refuse to serve your detention, he said... You will be expelled. Expelled? She looked back over her shoulder, staring at him in disbelief. For what? For your defiance. Fine, she shot back. Go on and try to expel me. We'll see what Professor McGonagall has to say about it. Ah, yes, he said softly. Gryffindor privilege rears its ugly head. Privilege? How the hell have I been privileged? I spent half my childhood fighting in a war. Lost more friends than I can count, not to mention my own parents. If that's privilege, it's a bloody picnic compared to what some of us have been through. With that, she closed the door, returning to her seat at the desk. Maybe she was giving in too easily, but something about his expression, the haunted look in his eyes. She couldn't help picturing him bleeding out on the floor of the Shrieking Shack. He did have a point. Few had suffered more under Voldemort's regime. "'Professor Snape,' she said, making an effort to keep her voice gentle. "'I'm sorry for what I did. Really, I am. But you can't just punish me whenever—' "'Whenever you break the rules? You're still one of my students, Miss Granger, which means I have the authority.' "'You don't treat me like a student,' she said quietly. "'Not anymore.' The color drained from his face, his eyes darting around like he'd just been accused of a crime." for the first time since she'd run into him in the hall. He didn't look angry. He seemed panicked, the muscles in his throat working convulsively as he opened his mouth to speak. If I've behaved inappropriately... No, she said. You've treated me like the adult I am, which I appreciate. He sniffed, recovering somewhat. Yes, well, I can hardly treat you like an adult when you insist on behaving like a child. A child? All I did was try to go to the library. You disobeyed my orders. Fine, she said, but don't you think your reaction was a little excessive? He hesitated, sighing heavily. Perhaps twenty bats spleens would have been more appropriate. No bats. Twenty points from Gryffindor, then. She shook her head. Miss Granger, he said, this isn't a negotiation. I'll concede your point where the detention is concerned, but the house points stand. You don't get it, do you? He leaned back in his chair, cocking one eyebrow. I understand that you wish to thwart my attempts to punish you. Beyond that, you'll have to enlighten me. This isn't about punishment, she said, or at least it shouldn't be. If you're unhappy with something I've done, why can't we just talk about it? Reason with me, help me understand why it bothers you. I tried that, he pointed out. I made it abundantly clear that it wasn't safe for you to venture out into the halls by yourself. You refused to listen. She shook her head. I did listen. I've been in my room every night, long before curfew. The only time I was even a little bit late, I had Professor Flitwick walk me up. I've been very careful, believe me. Except for today. Except for today, she conceded. But it was the middle of the afternoon and I just needed to grab a book from the library. I figured it would be okay, especially since nothing's happened in weeks. Yes, well, Snape hesitated, pinching the bridge of his nose. That isn't exactly true. She frowned. Another note? No. What did they... He shook his head, rising from his chair to pace the room. It doesn't matter what they did. The point is that this person, whoever they are, is still very much a threat. This isn't the time for any of us to grow careless, nor for you to take your safety for granted. She studied him more closely, noticing the rigid set of his shoulders. Suddenly, she understood why he'd reacted the way he had, recognizing the fear beneath his anger. Could he have handled the situation better? Yes, especially since she'd had no way of knowing that another incident had occurred. That said, it wasn't difficult to forgive him. At least he was attempting to communicate with her like an adult now. Really, that was all she'd wanted. Professor? Yes, Miss Granger? I really am sorry about what I did. If I'd known, I would have never... I know. He didn't apologize in return, nor did she expect him to. As far as they'd come over the past few months, she knew it still wasn't easy for him to admit when he was wrong. It was enough that he'd abandoned his attempts to punish her, "'stuffing the dead bats back into the cabinet before he resumed his pacing. "'Will you tell me what happened?' "'He shook his head. "'It doesn't matter.' "'Yes, it does. "'If it happened to you, it could happen to me.' "'He paused, folding his arms over his chest as he leaned against the desk. "'I don't think it's anything you need to worry about. "'Well, unless you have a paralyzing fear of snakes.' "'Snakes?' "'He nodded. "'That's what I was greeted with when I woke up this morning.' Hundreds of snakes. Immediately, she understood the implications, cringing right along with him as he explained what happened. She was glad the snakes had only been illusions, but that didn't mean he hadn't been traumatized. Even now, she could see him shaking, his eyes haunted as he stared at the opposite wall. She rose to her feet, driven by some impulse she barely understood. It seemed like madness, and yet she couldn't bring herself to stop holding her breath as she slid her arms around his waist. She wasn't surprised when his body went rigid. What shocked her was the moment he gave in, his arms wrapping around her so tightly she could barely breathe. She realized then that this was exactly what he'd needed. He clung to her like a lifeline, fingers digging into her shoulders as his lips brushed her neck. This is highly inappropriate. She barely heard him. Caught off guard as he pulled back to scrutinize her face, his eyes were filled with some unknown emotion, so deep and intense that she felt herself shiver in response. She knew what was about to happen, but she did nothing to stop it, closing her eyes as he brought his lips to hers. She'd been kissed countless times, but never like this. It didn't matter that Snape didn't seem to be particularly skilled in the art. He made up for it with a passion that stole her breath away. No one had ever kissed her more deeply, more thoroughly, his heart pounding against her chest as he buried his hands in her hair. She knew her heart must be doing the same, her senses reeling, a soft moan escaping her throat as he—she opened her eyes, utterly bewildered. All of a sudden, he was halfway across the room, refusing to even look in her direction. Professor? Miss Granger, he said, his voice strained. You should get back to your room. This is from chapter 34 of *Obscuranauts* anime, which is called Quiet Desperation. At this point, Severus knows that Lily's soul is non-corporeal, that it can only transfer between animals. She's been keeping him company for a while, and he's been looking for ways to bring her back. This, he's getting increasingly desperate because Dumbledore's dead, and he's about to take over his headmaster, and he knows he's running out of time. Now, his last attempt went horribly wrong. He tried to use a potion, and Lily effectively disappeared, so he thinks that she's dead. And this is the portion of the story where he realizes that she's not dead, and he makes one final attempt to bring her back. What do you want? Sarah said tiredly. I don't have any food, if that's what you're after. He tried to continue on his way, but the dose stepped right in his path, blocking his progress. When he turned in the opposite direction, she did the same thing, bold enough this time to nudge him in the stomach with her long nose. Perhaps exhaustion had dulled his senses, because he didn't sense anything unusual until she stood in his way a third time, or maybe he was just afraid to hope quite sure that another disappointment would kill him. After the fourth attempt, he had to ask, Lily? The deer bobbed her head. Still gutted by grief, Cyrus wasn't willing to take any chances. If, if you are Lily, flick your ears three times, then walk in a circle. The head bob could have been a coincidence, but the latter was far too precise to be mistaken. She did exactly as instructed coming back to stand before him with an expression as close to exasperation as a deer could manage. How is this possible? I thought you were... dead. When you disappeared, I just assumed... He paused, taking a deep breath. I should have guessed, perhaps, but it really did seem... Well, never mind. Are you hurt? Did the potion injure you or cause you pain? She shook her head and he sighed in relief casting a quick glance behind him. Let's go back into the woods then, shall we? As they returned to the hiding place, Severus was still reeling from the dizzying highs and catastrophic lows of the past few days. With a great deal of effort, he shielded himself, determined to focus on the task at hand. Lily would live on regardless, which was a comfort. Nonetheless, this was to be his final attempt, his last chance to bring her back, as the beautiful, laughing woman in the photograph that was tucked inside his robes next to his heart. He had to make a trip up to the castle to gather base ingredients, but that was no trouble at all. Knowing that Lily was alive, it was as if his feet had developed wings, carrying him up to his quarters and back down again until he stood before the massive cauldron once more. He made quick work of adding the necessary herbs, pouring the last vial of Petunia's blood into the mixture before adding his own. Finally, he took out the photograph, glad that he'd thought to make a copy as he dropped it into the simmering liquid. He turned to Lily, who'd transferred to a rabbit for easier handling. Ready? he said quietly. He scooped her into his arms, lowering her carefully into the potion. He waited for a moment, a heartbeat, a breath all of which seemed to last an eternity. And then he saw her, a shapely figure barely visible in the mist as she rose from the cauldron. She held out a hand for him to help her out, and he could only stare at it, stunned by the sight of her pale, delicate fingers. It was then that he recognized the truth. Despite his wildest hopes, all the years he'd had her beside him in animal form, there'd been a voice inside him that had insisted it was all a lie. That part of him had forgotten how to hope, still too scarred by the loss of her all those years ago. But now, it was like waking from a dream as he took her hand, so warm and human, so utterly, perfectly real. She stepped out of the cauldron, then stood before him in all her glory, red hair aflame in the morning sunlight, eyes more green than the foliage that surrounded her. Those eyes, Eyes he had once thought he'd never see again, filled with tears as she lifted her head to gaze at him. Did it work? she whispered. Not once did she look down at herself, almost as if she were afraid to do so. Yes, Lily, he choked out as he pulled her into his arms. It worked. All right, I'll be reading from chapter 19 of Veritas Omnia Vincit, which is called Shatter. This takes place at the end of Half-Blood Prince. They're on the Astronomy Tower. And Severus has recently, about nine months ago, discovered that he's Harry's father. Nobody else knows this yet, but it's really changed his willingness to go along with the original plan. He's had a confrontation with Dumbledore, and he convinces Dumbledore to take poison instead. And Dumbledore goes along with this. And Severus' motivation for this is that he's afraid if he kills Dumbledore outright, that he's going to lose any chance to tell Harry the truth or make amends with him. So Dumbledore has agreed to this, but he still wants Harry to believe that Severus murdered him. And in this scene, Dumbledore thinks he has the upper hand and can make Severus comply, but Severus is done following orders. He has so much more to fight for now, and he's not giving an inch. All right, so here we go. Do you have it? Dumbledore asked. I do. Snape stepped forward, retrieving a vial from his pocket. It was a potion of some sort, though none that Harry recognized. The color reminded him of tar, dark and foreboding. Thank you, Severus. What is that? Harry said. What are you giving him? It's... Snape trailed off whipping his head around at the sound of running footsteps. A familiar figure burst through the door. Wand pointed directly at Dumbledore. Expelliarmus! Harry barely noticed the wand fly out of Dumbledore's hand, staring at Snape in astonishment as Draco collapsed. Those private lessons. He knew that spell. It was wandless, nonverbal, yet he'd seen Snape's lips move, mouthing a single word that had placed Draco into a deep state of slumber. When he wakes up, Dumbledore said, be sure to blame it on me. I intend to. Dumbledore nodded. As for you, Harry, sir? I must apologize. For what? Harry said. This. In the blink of an eye, Harry was rendered immobile, his body going rigid as he fell back against the wall. He made another attempt to speak, but it was a useless effort. All he could do was watch as the scene played out, his stomach churning with anxiety. Severus... Dumbledore glanced at the door as the noises grew closer. The healing potion. Healing potion? You know perfectly well that this is poison. Severus, this is no time for jokes. Please. No. Harry had never seen Dumbledore look so distressed. Sweat glistened on his forehead. His breath coming in short, panicked bursts. He reached for the vial, his eyes going wide as Snape dangled it over the ramparts. "'We're running out of time. You know what will happen. Tell him the truth.' "'What?' "'The truth,' Snape repeated. "'Severus, you—' mufliado. For a few seconds, Harry heard nothing. He only saw what was happening, Dumbledore gesturing wildly as Snape folded his arms over his chest. But then—' "'Oh no,' Snape said. "'I will not be silenced, particularly with my own spell. I will not give you this vial, either.' "'not until you acknowledge what it is and why you are choosing to take it. potion. "'Call it by its proper name, or no spell on earth will force it to leave my hand.' "'Dumbledore muttered something under his breath, too quiet for Harry to hear. "'Snape shrugged in response, holding the vial even further out of reach. "'You'll have to be more specific. "'I don't know what it's called. You never told me.' "'Exactly.' Snape shook his head, staring up at Snape with an expression of disbelief. You tricked me. Or was it you who tricked me? In any case, I suppose it doesn't matter. Your only option is to do as I ask. Unless, of course, you'd prefer to be left to the wolves. Severus, please. Snape glanced over his shoulder, black eyes fixed on the open door. Harry heard footsteps at the bottom of the stairs. Sounds of dueling growing louder by the second. Lord Voldemort. He must believe. He will, Snape said, provided that Harry knows the truth. Harry? Dumbledore repeated. Sounding as dumbfounded as Harry felt in that moment, why would you call him? You've never. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain. Do it now before it's too late. But do it. Dumbledore hesitated, staring at Snape as if he'd never seen him before. Finally, he let out a shuddering sigh, turning his head in Harry's direction. "'It's true,' he said, his voice barely audible. My days were already numbered. Gaunt's ring, the curse. Severus managed to slow it down, but there was only so much. "'Only so much I could do,' Snape said when he trailed off. "'A year, perhaps.' A year that's nearly at an end. Why wouldn't they let him speak? He needed to ask questions, needed to understand. Dumbledore had been so strong when he They'd visited the cave. How? Why? Oddly enough, Snape seemed to anticipate this question. He'd given Dumbledore a potion, he explained, one that had restored his strength while relieving his pain for several hours. Was that what he was holding now? If so, why didn't he just give it to him? Poison, Snape said. He needs to hear you say it. Dumbledore closed his eyes, his body sagging against the ramparts. Despite their obvious disagreement, Snape slid an arm around him, offering his support. Thank you, Severus. Everything you've done. No time for that, Snape said, shooting another look at the door. Tell him. Poison, Dumbledore whispered. A death of my choosing, far more merciful than the alternative. I asked Severus to help me, though no one, no one can know, Snape finished for him. Indeed, you mustn't tell anyone, Harry. That is crucial. Clearly, this was enough for Snape. He removed the stopper, placing the vial in Dumbledore's hand. No, no, please. Harry didn't have the ability to scream. He couldn't even move. "'watching in horror as Dumbledore brought the vial to his lips. "'No, no, no! Severus? "'Yes, headmaster. Get them out of the school. I will.' "'Dumbledore nodded, downing the poison in a single swallow. "'He looked straight at the spot where Harry was hidden, "'a ghost of a twinkle in his eyes as they drifted closed. "'No!' "'He will not suffer,' Snape said quietly, "'lowering Dumbledore to the ground.' I made sure of it. In that, at least, Harry knew he was telling the truth. Dumbledore's chest rose and fell a couple more times. And then, nothing. Snape didn't even glance in Harry's direction. Instead, he positioned himself over Dumbledore's body. Wand gripped tightly as he stared at the door. If he was trying to look like a murderer, he was doing a good job of it. His eyes were icy cold, his expression smug. What happened next was a nightmare, horrific fragments Harry couldn't seem to piece together no matter how hard he tried. Death Eaters, a werewolf, Bellatrix Lestrange feeling for Dumbledore's pulse, followed by a howl of delight. He's dead! He's dead! Dumbledore's dead! She flicked her wand at the body, arms and legs flopping around like a marionette as it rose several feet in the air. Make him dance! No, Snape said his voice cutting through the chatter with knife-like precision. The others deferred to him immediately, though Bellatrix pouted, flicking her wand again. I said no! With that, Snape lifted his own wand, putting an end to the macabre little dance. Dumbledore's body fell with a thud, sprawled pitifully across the ground as another Death Eater leaned down to. Whatever he was planning, he never had the chance to do it. Snape grabbed him by the collar, shoving him roughly toward the door. We need to leave, and quickly. Reinforcements will be arriving any minute if they're not here already. We can take them. Don't be stupid, Snape said. You know how the Dark Lord feels about unnecessary risk. Besides, he will be eager to hear of our... Triumph. That elicited another round of cheers. The others headed for the door as Snape pointed his wand at Draco. He murmured a counterspell, reaching down to heave Draco to his feet. What- what's happened? Draco said. You were incapacitated. Come. But I was supposed to- Dumbledore- Dumbledore's dead. Dead! Bellatrix shouted, tackling as she headed down the stairs. Snape rolled his eyes, pushing Draco toward the door. How did he- No time to explain, Snape said. Go. Draco disappeared into the stairwell, leaving Snape alone on the ramparts. I am going to release you now, he told Harry, his voice pitched low. Do not cry out, and do not blow my cover. I will explain as soon as it's safe to do so. Thanks
0: again to Heatherly for sharing her excellent fic. And telling us about her website, alwayssnape.com. Be sure to check it out; it's awesome. And here we must say goodbye. We wish we didn't have to, but it hasn't escaped our notice that life isn't fair. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Tumblr and Twitter, or leave us a message at snapechatpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Support us on Coffee to help defray the costs of production. Many thanks to Nix for her work on our website at snakechatpodcast.com. Be sure to check out Care Magical Shippers' podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay snarky.